Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, welcome back to Marriage of Martinis. I'm Adam, and here is Danielle. Hi. So we are in quarantine on week. Do you have any idea what week we're in? No. No. I think it's like I don't know. Whatever week it is, it's the week I up my meds. Yeah. I'm ready. I know. Oh, oh yeah, I, I, can tell. I am. Yeah. I really am. Please. I'm going to talk to the psychiatrist <laughs> tomorrow. Are you really? Yeah, I really am going to up my meds. Do you think you need that? Uh-huh. Oh, wow. You didn't even talk to me about that. Well, I, do I need your permission? Well, I want to make sure you're okay. I mean, I want to... Am I ever? <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> um, it's so interesting because we recorded all of these episodes before this all happened. Right. We always sort of record in advance. And so some of the stuff that we recorded now doesn't even seem relevant in a lot of ways right like there are some episodes that we recorded that i'm just sort of like it doesn't seem appropriate to put that out yeah we can't put it out because who's relating to whatever yeah yeah it seems like a different lifetime yeah uh but this one that i recorded with my friend stephanie um i think back in january or february it was january january um, we had planned to put it out for Teacher Appreciation Week. She's a teacher who just wrote a book called Schooled, um, or not just now, but a couple months ago it came out. Um, and the point of the episode at the time was to talk about how amazing teachers are and that she wrote this book as a love letter pretty much to teachers. She's a teacher herself. She spent 10 years in the classroom. Now she does uh, a lot of teaching virtually um, and she's wonderful. But I, I still wanted to put this episode out because as much as it's, it doesn't concentrate on what we're going through right now with the virtual learning and the hardships that are going on with that and the next level that teachers have even taken things to, and how incredible they've had to be. Um, It talks a lot about the classroom and the hardships that teachers deal with in the classroom, not only for teaching, but with parents, with administrators, and all the things that we don't really think about when we think about teachers. Um, And eventually we are going to re-enter into the classroom. Like eventually this virtual stuff is going to end. And I I wrote an article um, this week that you can read on Marriage and Martinis on the blog, um, all, all about, I called it an ode to teachers during quarantine because my hope really is that after this, when we go back, we will all have a greater appreciation for teachers. Lord knows that they should be making more money. And I know that a lot of them right now are getting a lot of flack from parents because either it's too much work or not enough work. And I see a lot of parents complaining on parent pages and stuff about the virtual experience but 
come on, we got to hand it to these teachers. They are like literally the glue, I feel like, that are keeping so much of this together. Well, we're complaining because we have to do it and help them with it for the first time when we're not realizing what teachers are actually doing with the kids in the classroom. Yeah. Right? So now it's on us. So we complain. Yeah. And, and teachers are also right now having to figure out, I know that um, an, uh, the Associated Press did a study and found that 17% of U.S. students don't even have access to computers. Really? Yes. Wow. And around 18% don't even have access to broadband internet. Hmm. So, you know, there, there's so on so many levels, they're dealing with so much. Um, I, our own, the, our kids' teachers right now have been incredible. And I'm just, I'm so grateful. So go check out that article. Check out Stephanie. Um, her blog is When Crazy Meets Exhaustion. So you can go to whencrazymeetsexhaustion.com or you can check out her book, Schooled, wherever books are sold. It's actually an awesome present to get for teachers for uh, Teacher Appreciation Week. Teacher Appreciation Week is next week. I was originally going to put this out next Monday. I wanted to put it out today because you still have time to send teachers do something really special for them right now. Um, show them how appreciated they are. Show them how much we, you know, how much gratitude we have. Send them dinner. Send them something nice, something to pamper themselves and for self care. Just please, let's let's shower them with love right now. Um, also, go check out my article on marriage and martinis. And um, oh, I, you know what? I think this is the first episode ever that I didn't curse in. Oh, really? Yeah. If you find a curse, anybody, wow. please let me know. But as far as I know, when I listened, I was like, damn. Oh, see? Damn. <laughs> damn that's a curse. Damn. Damn. I was fucking clean. Uh, there you go. Finally. <laughs> now I have to mark this episode as, yeah, exactly. as explicit. But, um, but anyway, please, um, you know, I know that right now we're dealing with something different and it's the pandemic and we're not, the teachers aren't in school, but it's really a great listen still. And, and I think it just highlights the fact that when we go back to regular life, now, of course, but when we go back to regular life, we need to be treating teachers like the rock stars that they are. So enjoy. Hi, Stephanie. Hello, Danielle. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. How are you? I'm good. I, w you and I are looking at each other. I feel like we both look like those moms who just had rough mornings with the kids. There is no shame in my game right now. I went to the bus stop. My teeth were not brushed. My pajama pants were on. I don't care. I'm at that point where I just don't care. <laughs> you look adorable, which it makes me hopeful because I'm sort of like, oh, well, if she looks adorable, I mean, she looks, you look adorable. But we definitely look like two moms who probably didn't have the easiest of mornings with the kids. Okay, so my daughter knocked over our coat rack and it hit the dog. My son was just about on the bus when a neighbor was like, hey, his pants are on backwards. You should tell him. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, cheers. Yeah. yeah, I see the coffee and I'll raise you. <laughs> I am so excited to talk to you. I, I feel like I start out every podcast episode the same way because you and I have like been friends online for so long. First time meeting face-to-face. -face. So, I mean... God bless the podcast, because otherwise I feel like I wouldn't even virtually see anybody. I just, you know, it's nice to put a face with a, not even a voice, like a writing style. <laughs> Agreed. I think this is such a neat thing you guys have going. And my goodness, success. I'm so excited for you guys. It's just, it's, I don't know. It's just a tribute to your relationship, but also your hustle. So congratulations. For oh, sure. thank you. Thank sure. you. You too. Thank you. So, okay, so are you still a teacher? 
I am. I'm still, well, I'm an English teacher, but I, about three or four years ago, took a new position in our company, um, and I am now the equivalent of kind of like a college advisor, that person that would bother you about your credits and classes and kind of keep you on track toward graduation. That's what I do, except for eighth through twelfth graders. Ooh, I'm going to totally hit you up in another year or two when my daughter is a junior in high school. This is good to know. You're going to be sorry you just told me that. And you just wrote this book, Schooled. Yes. Which is great. And I enjoyed it. So I, okay, I was a high school English teacher. You were high school, right? Yes. I was a high school English teacher for four years. And I stopped back in 2005. Same thing when my daughter was born. I stopped teaching. Um, God bless all the teachers who are out there who have kids and everything because it, let me tell you, it is a lot of work, which we'll get into, but I loved the essays. It brought me back so much. And so tell me why you wanted to write the book. Um, you know, what's funny is I never really set out to write a book. I just, I am so passionate about teaching and the first school that I taught at, which is really a focus in the book, Hill High. Um, I, I just loved it. I was just so enamored with the entire experience that I always thought like, I want to write a love letter to that school, to those kids, to my colleagues. And when a publisher reached out to me, I just thought like, this is meant to be because I mean, a book was not on my radar. I don't have time for that, you know, which is exactly what I thought when I got the email, but, um, it just kind of fell into my lap and I thought, okay, universe, I see you, I'm on it. And so that's what we did. It's essentially a love letter. And I feel like every teacher could write a book like that because we ha- all have so many unique experiences. You can sit down or, you know, in the teacher's room and it really is. It's like well, the way I felt, I'm still best friends with so many of the people I taught with. And I feel like you all are kind of like in this bunker together, having this shared experience that really, unless you've been in it, you have no idea what goes on. And so For me, I'm so glad on so many levels that I was a teacher because number one, I'm so glad that I had those experiences and met those people and see what it is. And number two, now as a parent, I think I have a completely different appreciation and respect and admiration for my kids' teachers than maybe a parent who hasn't been in the classroom because I see what goes into it. And and. I want to get into talking about stuff like parent-teacher conferences because I have so many memories of those parent-teacher conferences sitting across from a parent being like, are we talking about the same kid here? Like, you know, they're like, my kid's not going to be able to go to Harvard unless you raise his grade and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, is this the same, like you say, is this the same kid who just missed 30 days of school? Like, what are we talking about? So it's nice to be able to have that perspective being a parent and sitting across from a teacher like, okay, we have a totally, we're seeing a totally two sides of a kid here. Hopefully you see the good in that kid, but also hopefully as a parent, I see that maybe he's not always perfect. Absolutely. It's all about perspective. Although I will say some of my most difficult parents are fellow educators. And I was like that. I mean, I'm full disclosure. When my son first went to even preschool, I was like, everybody stand back. I'm an educator. I will make all the decisions for your schools. I will come in here and judge every aspect from your snacks to your playtime to your nap cots. I thought I, you know, people wanted to hear what I had to say. I got over myself very quickly. It was a very humbling experience, but not all parents have had that kind of, you know, aha moment. And so they're still very judgy. They're very demanding. Um, They think 
they know better and whatever their child is telling them is gospel. Whatever we're telling them is just nonsense. And so they have been, for lack of a better term, my most difficult customers. <laughs> so uh, I, I, when you got into teaching, I know when I got into teaching, it was a whole, I'm going to save the world thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right? Like uh, I, I knew I, I, unlike you, I think, did you want to be a teacher for a long time? I did. I mean, I went to college and initially majored in journalism, but then made the switch pretty quickly and never looked back. So I guess you could say, yeah, that education was kind of my passion, even though it wasn't on paper. But also, to be honest, my mom kept saying, be a teacher, be a teacher. And aren't teenagers fun? I was like, oh, that's what you want me to do. So I will do the opposite. <laughs> so, you know, I had my uh, told you so thrown in my face, which was fully deserved. But um, yeah, I think I, I went in guns blazing, like, okay, all these kids are going to want to learn. All these kids are going to be inspired. I will be, you know, single most motivating factor in their lives. And then I actually got a job and realized, oh, that's not how this works. Right. And I sort of pictured myself standing up in front of the classroom and just having this back and forth with them, not realizing that actually being in front of the classroom is like 15, 20% of the job. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if they come to you and their basic needs are not met, which was my eye-opening experience, um, they're not about to be like, hey, I can't wait to like diagram that sentence or finish reading that novel <laughs> in my spare time. You know what I mean? Right. So just the, the realization that, holy crap, kids don't want to learn or necessarily prioritize their education, that hit me like a ton of bricks. Because in college, like everything's perfect right? Like you have the perfect set of students because they're your classmates. You have the perfect assessment because your, you know, professor helped you create it. And that is not realistic. That is not what happened to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I luckily didn't have like the most incredible uh, student teaching experience, which actually now I'm sort of happy that happened because had I had an incredible teach, uh, student teaching experience, I think I would have gone into teaching thinking that it was going to be, you know, this easy like this easy thing, but I was really thrown into the pit pretty, pretty early on. Yeah. And my teachers that, that I worked with, I kind of thought they were going to guide me more. It wasn't really like that, but now I'm sort of thankful that it wasn't like that because, you know, I, it, it prepared me pretty well. Sure, um, baptism by fire. Yeah. Okay. So once you started teaching, what were some of the biggest shocks to you about teaching that you didn't realize? Well, a lot of my students were like maybe two or three years older than me. So we were basically like hanging out in college. You know, if you, if you put that, that setting in, in college, I was a senior, but I was still hanging out with freshmen, sophomores. And essentially that was the age difference between my students and I. So once I left college and got to a school, I was like, that is weird. Um, it was very difficult because I was young and female to kind of establish that, um, that presence in the classroom. And so that was something I didn't, I, I guess, anticipate. I just figured like, I am Mrs. So-and-so. I am your teacher. Therefore, you know, I'm here, you're there, and we all know our roles. And that obviously was not the case either. So that was a huge eye-opener for me. I just thought things would fall into place because my name was on the desk. You know what I mean? And that, that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. I, I think when I started teaching, I was like 23 or 24. And I remember the first week that I was um, 
teaching, I walked into the classroom and a teacher put her arm out in front of me and she goes, I need to see your hall pass. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I'm I'm a teacher. And she was like, oh, my God, you're a baby. And now I feel like that when I'm at my son's school. I'm sort of like I look at their teachers and I'm like, they're babies. But I mean, and they're adorable. And, you know, but I'm always like, that's what I looked like. Like, they really they look so young. And I wasn't an elementary school teacher. I was a high school teacher. So. You know, yeah, I had the same experience as the first essay in my book. My school nurse kept and like this was like a repeated thing. She kept mistaking me for a student. And I mean, it just got to the point where I was like, are you kidding me? Like, we just did this last week. I work here. <laughs> right. right. I know. Um, so to people who are going to become teachers soon, what kind of advice would you give to them? You have to have a sense of humor. Um, you are dealing with kids and these kids are dealing with some things that are unimaginable. Um, and so you have to meet them where they're at. You can't come guns blazing out of college. Like I got this because you don't, and that's okay. Um, I think the beauty of education is learning and changing together. Um, and those first few years are trying. I think those are like the telltale years or are you going to stick around or aren't you? Um, but it's important to be empathetic because not all of your students are coming from a place that you recognize or, you know, one that you've ever experienced. And, you know, in the cases where you are certainly dealing with kids who haven't eaten breakfast, who are experiencing homelessness, um, it's difficult to make them understand education should be a priority. And so I think you need to be a people person with a sense of humor, and then the education comes next. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah. And I think also one thing that people don't realize and that teachers don't realize before getting into the job is how much of your own money you put back into it. I think teachers spend an average, and I actually think it's probably higher than this, but teachers spend an average of $500 of their own money every year. I believe it. Yeah, my first job, I, you know, I was in a low income school district where we were really trying to increase reading um, across the board, not just test scores, but just read. So I created this adorable little reading nook in my classroom. I spent about two, three hundred dollars of my own money on it. And within a week, it was destroyed. There was a fight. Kids came flying through my classroom window and glass just ruined the entire thing. So, I mean, right there, I was just like, hmm. That's why teachers are always frustrated about the money thing. I get it. You know, and it's not like we're compensated for that stuff. So for sure, that was, that was definitely surprising too. Mm -hmm. It's expensive to be a teacher. (laughs) It is. It's expensive to be a teacher. Exactly. I think about all these people who work in Manhattan and everything, and they take people out for business dinners and they use the company credit card and everything like that. And it's sort of like, as a teacher, you sort of want to be like, I, listen, I just want like a Staples gift card to go and, and I don't even have that, you know, I just want to be able to, but, um, but I guess that's also the beauty of teachers is that like, 
people do, you know, you, they do it. They put their money back in. And I know that all my friends do that. So um, it's awesome. Another thing is that 45, I read a stat that 44% of teachers quit within the first five years. I believe it. I believe it. There's a huge turnover. Um, I, I, I even think beyond that five years, but like I said, those first few years are make or break. Um, it's really difficult to kind of establish yourself and fall into a routine because things are constantly changing. There are so many different factors impacting your day to day that quite honestly shouldn't be factors impacting your day to day. So you really have to kind of learn to roll with the punches and, um, I guess just focus on the good stuff and remember why you're there. And it's exceptionally difficult. And the pay, the low, low pay does not help. So I, I think that those are two things, you know, enticing teachers away from the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the expectations of, like we said, I'm going to save the world. But I think when you, you could walk in and say, you know, maybe I'm this year, hopefully I'm going to really seriously impact a handful of students. Exactly. And that was exactly what I was just going to say, because, you know, you walk in and you're like, come to me, all the children. And that's not realistic. So I do think that if we kind of, we tell our students chunk this information, if we chunk our expectations and our goals, um, they're more of a lot, not reliable, they're more realistic. And we aren't as, um, I guess I get really disappointed in myself or really frustrated when I want to do all this stuff and it doesn't come to fruition. But if you take it in small pieces and just decide, okay, those three kids in my third period, those are my projects for the year. I'm going to make them happy learners. We're going to, you know, really establish a good relationship and rapport. And those three kids out of however many can really, I don't know, just make your heart happy and make you want to stick around another year. And so I think that's why it's so important that those new teachers, all teachers keep investing in our students. It's only a handful, like you said, because it certainly makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that you're going to impact some kids and that's sure. what you have to concentrate on rather than going into it being like, I am going to absolutely, you know, save every child who is absolutely. in the classroom. Um yeah, teachers work more than 400 hours of overtime each year. I feel like personally, one of the biggest, I think people say about teachers, oh, well, you have summers off and you're done at 3 p.m. And oh my God. So yes, of course, your salary directly reflects, you know, if you're making, I said the average salary per year uh, in 2017 was uh, $59,000 for a teacher. So, oh, but you're only working 10 months and you're What do you say to people who argue that? Well, I'm rolling my eyes really hard to the back of my skull. Um, (laughs) I I do think it's interesting that they don't factor in all that we do. And this was in my book as well. So like we've been called like glorified babysitters. And so if that's the case, then pay me like a babysitter, $10 per kid, right? Per hour. Um, We'd be making some serious bank, but we are not done at 3 p.m. We are not done in the summers. Um, We take our work home with us. And I mean that literally and figuratively, the school year does not end like in June, in May. Um, I think a lot of us are committed to professional developments, different training sessions. A lot of us have side hustles. So after the academic day, well, we're coaching volleyball or we're sponsoring this club. Um, It is not a career as much as it is a lifestyle. 
And I think that it's disappointing that the, the heart of the job is completely just taken for granted by these outsiders. Um, I know like, for instance, my husband, he leaves at 6 a.m. He usually comes home at 6 p.m. He's doing stuff on Saturdays at his schools. He's always going to trainings in the summers. And so I see too. someone like that. Would you say? He's a teacher too. He is. I'm sorry. Yes. He's an um, AP stats teacher. Oh my God. <laughs> right? So he's, I don't even know what he does, but. <laughs> the one who wanted to do that. He wanted to do that for he's sure. One. <laughs> he's one. He's the one. Yeah. Is he like the only person ever who wanted to be an AP stats teacher? That's so funny that you say that because <laughs> yes, nobody else in the school wanted that position. And he was like, okay, I will step up because I see the need. And, um, and so that's the thing. Like I live with a man who is just 110% committed to his students and his classes. And I, I have a really hard time justifying, you know, cause there are teachers out there that aren't, I'll just, that out there um and so i have a really hard time with everyone kind of smack talking the masses when i see firsthand all the good that one can do and i know there are others and i don't know just don't get me started i'll start rambling and use swear words but anyway if they want to call us babysitters they should pay us like a babysitter ten dollars per kid per hour and i think that we could increase that what was it fifty nine thousand yeah. average salary yeah we could probably double triple that a hundred percent Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, th I think that one of the things also that people don't realize is that as a teacher, I feel like you get it from all ends because first of all, you're getting it from the administration and the paperwork and everything and the board and all these board members who have most of them who have never stepped into a classroom. And I told a story in another episode. I can't remember uh, which episode, but um, that I was in my first or second year of teaching and there was this board member who we were having cutbacks or something and there was this administrator slash board member. I don't know exactly his title, but he uh, came in. He, he had been such he came into uh, the school to observe for like a week. And he was such a hard ass and yeah. he gave everybody these awful write-ups and every, when he would walk into the room, we would think to ourselves like, oh my God, what, what, you know, it was like that sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach and now you can't focus and you're so nervous, especially if you're not tenured that this guy is going to write you up. Um, and then a few months later, he came back and he was a long-term sub in our school and he came around uh, in the middle of that long-term sub position and apologized to every one of us for what he did when he came in uh, as an administrator and wrote us up because he said, now that I have been in the classroom, I have a completely different outlook on everything. See, and that's what I'm talking about. That is perspective. And I mean, I love the ending to your story. I did not see it coming. Yeah. Um, I have unfortunately not had, you know, very many positive interactions with board members. Um, and I, I think it's frustrating, too, that there are so many in positions of power that have absolutely no idea what goes on in the classrooms. They likely join or want to be a part of it because they have like a personal vendetta against whatever it is, fill in the blank, a particular teacher, a sports team, a coach, um, and everybody kind of loses sight of what's important and why we're there. Um, so, gosh, I really like that story. I'm, I'm impressed, and I wish that more people would have the opportunity to be humbled by classroom experiences. 
Yeah, I'm shocked that that's not uh, that in order to be on the border to be. I mean, I I happen to have some best friends who are like assistant superintendents who are actually people you 100% want in that position. Like they're just incredible people. And I know a lot of times you have to work your way up to that. The board is a different story, I believe. It is. Uh, it should be a requirement that they are all in the classroom before they do that. It's insane. And the and another thing I feel like is the curriculum. Like people don't realize how much of, um, you know, how limiting it is and how little leeway you have with that curriculum and with the books you teach. And I know I worked, I started working um, in our school system, the high school, my daughter's actually in that high school, not the same high school, but in that district uh, now, 15 years later, she is still reading the same exact books that I was teaching at that school 15 years ago, like same exact. They have not yeah. added, at, at not one. How right. can it be in 15 years? So you talk about teaching like outside the box and that, you know, even with these limited curriculums. So can you talk more about that and what you should do? Sure. I mean, I know that I was in a really good situation at Hill High School. We had the opportunity to kind of like revamp our curriculum, but it was done on our own time. And I don't think a lot of teachers want to do that or are able to do that. So teaching outside of the box, just little examples, um, just the supplemental materials that we choose to bring into the classroom and technology makes it so easy. So like a TED talk, a 10 minute TED talk um, can supplement and introduce your students to new writers, new voices, new perspectives, that's invaluable. Um, you know, and if we're not even talking curriculum stuff, that just building relationships and rapports with your students. I know in one of my high schools, we were required to stand out in the hall and greet our students. And now to me, I thought, well, that's a no brainer, but you have no idea how many teachers were upset. They were like, we need those three minutes to, you know, prep our next classes to get our desk in order. And I get it. I understand, but it's so much more important and it's so easy just to say, Hey, Joe, how was the game last night? Hi, Sally, your hair looks good. Did you get it cut? Those small moments equal huge gains overall. And so when I do talk about stepping outside of the box. Those are the sorts of things that I'm trying to encourage because let's be honest, we don't have a lot of time. We don't have a bunch of money. And if we don't have control over the curriculum, we really can only focus our efforts on the things we can control. And that's how we interact with the students. Mm -hmm. At my son's uh, elementary school, they started doing something called High Five Friday, where a whole bunch of the teachers, I don't know if they rotate or what, but on Fridays, as the kids come into the school, there's a whole lineup of teachers holding their hands out, and they all, he's in third grade, and they all do High Five Fridays, and I know he gets excited about it, like it's a nice way, yeah, yeah, so stuff like that. And I think that that's so much, thankfully, the norm in the, like, you elementaries and like maybe even like the junior highs, but it seems like our senior highs are our teenagers who are truly struggling with some like really deep stuff. I don't know why efforts seem to stop there. You know what I mean? Um, I just, I know that there's like not a big PTO presence and maybe that's okay, but I do feel like if we had just a group of like parents and teachers that were committed to kind of creating a comfortable, welcoming environment, but again, that requires time. And it's just, it's such a catch 22 because we know what we need, but it's hard to achieve it. And so, you know, here we are. Yeah. 
It's true. And I think it's those those things too that you look back on like your favorite teachers, I think, if you think about your favorite teachers, they're the ones who did something like that that was different and unique and, you know, and that's what you think back on and remember. And we, I feel like every single person looks back and has that one or two, those one or two teachers that just stick out in your mind for the rest of your life. For sure. And the teachers, or I should say the students know the difference between a teacher who comes to work every day and a teacher who shows up to work every day. Those teachers who show up and do the hard stuff, they see those kids. They're there for those students. And even just that, just like, that makes a difference. The kids know, they know who's there for them and who's there just because it's their job. And I, I really do think that makes a world of difference. Mm-hmm. We've been talking a long time about Love Book, which before this all happened, I thought was a fantastic gift. Now I feel like it takes on a whole new meaning to be able to send somebody a book like this all about your relationship and what you love about them. And especially now what you miss about them, a reminder that they're in your thoughts and you're constantly still grateful for them and awaiting the day that you're going to be able to give them that hug again. And what Love Book is, is it's a premium gift, handbound and shipped all over the world. Everyone has a unique love story. The Love Book book building system lets you tell that story by listing all of those special reasons why you love a person. You choose your cover and edit the title. You make your characters look like you and look like the other person. And you choose pages and personalize them. Love Book is a fantastic gift for anybody, but right now especially, it's so wonderful for teacher appreciation that's coming up next week for your child to make. And that's a great activity, actually. Our kids have made them for our parents as gifts, and it's a wonderful activity and a way for them to be creative and express their gratitude for their teachers. And also for Mother's Day coming up, it's a wonderful idea for those of us who can't be with our moms. You create yourself and the receiver from these adorable characters. You choose their body type, hairstyle, facial expressions. I'm wondering if they have Adam's quarantine hairstyle with the back (laughs) shaved off. With half of the back of my Uh hair shaved off, yeah. And when I made my love book for you, Adam, um, I included completely inappropriate pages and because that's just who I am as a person and I wound up really fun and I really love the way it came out. I loved my love book. Thank you. Yeah. Select from a soft or hard cover with over 100 themes to choose from. And now Love Book is giving our listeners 20% off when you head to lovebookonline.com slash capital M-N-M with promo code capital M-N-M 20 for 20% off. That's lovebookonline.com slash capital M-N-M and promo code capital M-N-M 20 for 20% off today. I first found Greetable last summer when our daughter was away at sleepaway camp and I wanted to send her a little something because you can't send big packages to most sleepaway camps, but I knew that I wanted to send her a little something just to let her know I was thinking about her. And I found Greetable, which is an online gifting company that makes it easy for you to send unique gifts to people you love. My favorite thing about Greetable is that you can personalize each one. You select a design from these beautiful and adorable designs. You add your message to the person and a few pictures you can put on the box also. And then you choose the gift that you want to go inside your gift box from a whole list of adorable and wonderful gifts. The designs are so cute and it really is like receiving a little box of happiness. 
Once you do all that, Greetable hand packages your gift and sends it off. And the best part, it's totally affordable. You can send the whole thing for around $20. They have a huge selection of brand new Mother's Day cards and designs. There's something for every woman on your list. Grandma, mother-in-law, your bestie's mom, who's really like your second mom. And there's also these new designs that are miss your face. Like, I miss your face because we all do. There's so many faces I miss right now. So many people who I want to reach out to and just let them know that I'm thinking about them. To send some long-distance love during quarantine. These little gifts you pick for inside the box are just, they're each so unique and they are... They have everything from lip balm to little pins to candies to the cutest little surprises. And it's also perfect for Teacher Appreciation Week. Right now, Greetable is giving Marriage and Martinis listeners 15% off their first order when you put in promo code MNM at checkout. So head to Greetable.com. That's G-R-E-E-T-A-B-L.com and put in promo code MNM today. Greetable, G-R-E-E-T-A-B-L dot com. You have a whole part in the book that I loved um, about some of the craziest stuff parents do to teachers. <laughs> um, can you talk about, I mean, I, I, a little bit, it was like when you were talking, the conferences to me were the biggest part because I remember my first parent-teacher conferences as a teacher sitting there and, you, you know, with freshman parents and the parents being like, you gave my son a B minus or my daughter a B minus. Now they're not going to be able to go to that Ivy League school. And, and, and the focus and the things that they say and the disconnect, it felt like to me, I mean, I know they see a different you know, a different version of their kid, but the disconnect, but talk about some of those things that parents do to teachers that. Yeah. I think, um, the disconnect is a good word. I think it's just like their inability or refusal to have their kid be accountable. So I had, we had this online grading system where, you know, we would assess things and then put them online. Parents were supposed to access them. They had every grade letter number, anything they wanted was right there at their fingertips. But I had a kid who would do next to nothing in the classroom. The parent, of course, thought that was my fault. And so in addition to this, you know, easily accessible online grading thing, we had to, all of his teachers, email the parents with like the weekly to-do list. Like, this is what we're doing on Wednesday. Johnny should bring his pencil every day. And if the student earned like a C or lower, we had to call the parent. And so it was like, we were beating a dead horse just because the kid was lazy. The parent didn't think his kid was the issue. And there we have stressed out teachers totally, you know, committed to like this one student who didn't care, which was super frustrating, but it was still our fault somehow. Um, On the flip side, I've had parents who do understand that their child needs to be doing better. And it, uh, this was in the book too, at one of our parent teacher conferences, I was like talking to this mom about how her son is a little bit handsy. You know, he gets a little rambunctious to me. He was like a puppy growing into his paws. It wasn't a malicious thing, but as I was talking to her about how he, like, he's always punching other students. He kind of needs to keep his hands to himself. She winds up and smacks this kid so hard in the back of his head. Like I just, (laughs) I just kind of sat there. I was like, okay, Apple does not fall far from the tree. You know, like, it's crazy. It's just, 
And I, I feel like the middle of the spectrum, you either have like the crazy ones on one end saying like, you know, my kid needs to get into that Ivy League school, or you have the completely like complicit ones on the other end, just eh, whatever. I don't even know my kids' teachers' names. But the middle ground where the common sense lives, that is a, you know, it's but wasteland. Yes, it's right. barren. Where are those people? I don't right. know. Right. <laughs> But on the other hand, those there are those parents like I do remember that I re- I can remember looking at the rundown of the conferences and, you know, the time slots and thinking to myself, oh, good, I can't wait to see them or they're so cool to talk to or, you know, or they they have like a realistic, obvious, you know, like understanding of their kids. So it'll be OK to talk to them. But then you see also, you know, the, those parents that you're like, oh, crap, I don't want to. So as a parent on the other end, you sort of think to yourself, I want to be one of those parents where they're like happy about me coming in where, you know, I don't want them like thinking I'm one of these crazy lunatic helicopter parents. Like I, so, you know, I, those are things I try to think about, not to say, you know, I'm I'm sure there are plenty of my kids teachers who are like, uh, all right. So that's the fourth time he forgot his homework. Does he he know what's going on? (laughs) But you know, a little bit, I, I use that as a gauge what I experienced as a teacher, like when I go into conferences, like, okay, they've been sitting here for sometimes, you know, now we have where the kids get two days off of school and it's all day conferences. So if you have a four o'clock conference and the teacher has been sitting there since 9am, like, all right, cut the teacher some slack. Like, let's, you know, I mean, sure. come on. You know, what's interesting about that is like my brain knows that, but then the second I had my own kids, like my brain just, it was like, wow, I don't do, it's just your heart. So I recognized that I had the potential to be like a helicopter or lawnmower parent, you know, and I was acting the very way I never wanted to act. I was being the parent that I didn't want to see the conferences. And I just had like this come to Jesus moment. I was just like, you're a mess step back. These are professionals. They're good people. They know what they're doing. They don't need my two cents. And I think my, my son was probably in like first or second grade when I finally like got a grip. Um, but it's interesting that like, even though you know, you recognize you're still acting in a way that is just not okay. And so that's why I try to give some parents slack, you know, it's like a a give and take sort of thing, but you know, it takes time to get to the place you want to be at sometimes. Of course. And at least you, you know, when you recognize, and we do, we want to be there for, you know, our kids and support them and everything. But we also have to think to ourselves, the teachers kind of want that for our kids too. So we're on the same team. And I think sometimes we forget that. For sure. For sure. And I think that, you know, if you've had a bad experience, that can color your perspective as well. Not every teacher is incredible and there for the right reasons or they're burnt out or... Um, and burnout is like a huge issue for sure, for sure. And it's because of those experiences, you know, and there's just so much riding on the job today. It's just, it's really difficult to just get into your classroom and do your thing. Because like we said earlier, all these different things are impacting how you make decisions, how you grade, what happens to the kid after your class. It's, it's overwhelming. Yeah. And now, especially like some classes are, you know, you have 35 kids, Yes. And you're going home and you're grading then if you have five classes times 35 kids, no math skills whatsoever, but that's like a lot of essays. That's my kind of math. That's a lot of essays. Right. You know, and people, so yeah, so that whole you're done at 3 p.m. No, you're not. 
absolutely not. No, you're not. Um, any kind of tips as like a seasoned teacher? If they're, I don't want to say cut corners because we don't want anybody cutting corners. That's not what we're saying. But things that can simplify your life as a teacher. Do you have any of those? Any tips or tricks or? I I almost feel like our best teacher hack or resource is our colleagues. Um, they're just they're your teammates. They're your in-house spouse, they're your go-to when you need to vent or be inspired. And I think that sometimes we get so busy and rightfully so and so caught up that we kind of take them for granted. And so while I don't necessarily know that it would make the job less time consuming or easier per se, I think it makes it more worthwhile if in fact we really start recognizing the amazing educators that are in the classroom beside us, or like in my case, at the same company and just an email away. Um, I don't want us to feel isolated, especially when we're starting to feel overwhelmed. But at the same time, negativity can breed negativity. So I think it's important that we recognize who we're spending our time with. You know, if there's like a toxic teacher at the end of the hall who's miserable and burned out, you know, I feel bad for you, but let's not spread that because there are still bright-eyed and bushy-tailed educators that want to be there. And I almost feel like it can be contagious, like one bad day, snowball. And so the right people in your classrooms, in your schools can make all the difference. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Um, okay, so I, a few other stats that I found interesting were the average teacher affects over 3,000 students over the course of their career. So what we were talking about then, like you kind of have to go into it knowing out of those 3,000 students, there are going to be ones that you're going to really impact and it's not going to be, it might not be all of them, but there will be. Um, and you talk about this in your book some too. And I found that, okay, so 76% of teachers are female. And I just did an episode with, um, she's a boy educator actually, which is educating parents about raising boys, um, all about, you know, the fact that it is troublesome that we don't have more male teachers and male influences in the school other than, you know, a lot of times coaches, but if your kid doesn't play a sport or anything, then they're, they're lacking that male connection a lot of times in school and 80% are still white. Yep. Yep. And I think that in and of itself is an issue as well, because our kids, the demographics are changing. We have more people of color coming in and out of our um, education systems, but teachers and administrators are still predominantly white. And statistics show that if one little African-American kindergartner has a really good experience that year with his black, Asian, whatever kindergarten teacher, he is statistically proven to perform better. And I think it's just human nature. You want to see someone that looks like you and you want to be inspired. And I, you know, I I can't change that. So I try not to focus on it, but I do feel like schools need to do a better job of uh, incorporating different cultures and, and different backgrounds in their curriculum. Like you said, your school's still using the same books from 15 years ago. So yeah, 80% white male authors. Exactly. Exactly. And history classes are whitewashed. Um, we, whoever, whatever color and culture need to do a better job of incorporating those differences in our classrooms. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, okay. So, uh, another thing I was going to say, we were talking about parents before as a teacher, 
what what would you say to some parents who are dealing with maybe a teacher who they're having some issues with or how to go about talking to a teacher like that and to keep it, you know, you want to keep it like sort of um, calm and nice and remember where the teacher's coming from. Any, you know, any like insight on how to handle that situation? Yeah, I think you just have to remember that the teacher is a person first. So the things you don't want to do go directly and immediately above their head. Don't contact the principal. You don't need to go to the superintendent. You certainly don't want to blast them publicly at the coffee shop down the road or on social media. Um, It's unprofessional and it's unkind. And if you're truly trying to solve a problem, you don't want to add to it. Open, respectful dialogue can almost always iron out whatever difficulties there are. But for some reason, parents are very hesitant. And I I think it's because they're afraid their kids will become a target, you know, for lack of a better word of that teachers. I, I don't know. Just thinking that being honest and saying, I am not happy with X, Y, and Z is going to impact the way the teacher treats their child. Um, now, I'm not naive enough to believe that that doesn't happen, but I do think at the end of the day, two adults having a respectful conversation, only good can come of that. Um, of course, you know, we're, we're talking about situations like that are quote unquote simple. We're not talking about harassment or anything, mm-hmm. you know, sure. of that degree. But it's just, it's frustrating. Like, I have friends who take to Facebook and like MF these teachers, and I'm thinking, like, are you crazy? Right. <laughs> That's not helping anything. It's making everything worse. But yeah, just, I don't know. I'm telling you, when our kids are involved, we use our brains and our brains less and hearts more. And sometimes it's not a good thing. Yeah, that's true. So to sort of break it down also, I think, and think to yourself like, okay, the the teacher spends sometimes during the day more time with your kid than you do, especially in elementary school when the same teacher, you know, maybe take it with a grain of salt and break it down and think to yourself, oh yeah, maybe they did miss a few homework assignments and you didn't know about it or, you know, and I think also sometimes we take it so personally. I know like that. I mean, if I get a call from a teacher, my, you know, for my first thing is, oh my God, they're judging me. Okay. Let's, this is not about me. (laughs) Let's put that aside. And you know, it's it's hard to hear that stuff. And because it's a direct reflection of you and your parenting. And I think we're already so worried. I mean, there are just, gosh, so many things, you know, that we think we should be as moms and dads and it's just hard. And I think that anytime you're told your student didn't, or your kid hasn't, it's, I think it's normal to take it personally, but here's something else we parents have to start doing is having those conversations with our kids because way too many of us fly off the handle and blame who's ever on the receiving end of that conversation, be it a teacher or a principal or whatever. Um, But we just kind of need to do, you know, the deep breath thing and then kind of come back to center, ask our kid. And again, it's just that respectful dialogue that just seems to be falling by the wayside these days. I know it's true. Yeah. All right. Tell everybody where they can find you. Okay. So (laughs) I started writing whencrazymeetsexhaustion.com after I had my second little bibbit and I was losing my ever-loving mind. So you can find me there on the blog or on Facebook where we have a really awesome community of parents and educators. And our mantra is just, you know, life is too short, laugh, you know. So that's what we try to do. We try to find the funny in everything, which, uh, 
you know. and you're good at it. No, you're very sweet. Thank You've you. You've made some of my favorite memes ever. <laughs> <laughs> you really have. You have. Hey, um, listen, you laugh so you don't cry. And my book, Scold, is at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and a whole bunch of other places. It's a great gift for a teacher. Thank you. Yeah. And a great gift for somebody who's becoming a teacher, because I do think that you you're trying to highlight the love hate relationship. And I think that's an important thing to embrace going into being a teacher, because a little bit you are, you know, you're 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 walking into like the war zone a little bit. You're yeah, on yeah. the front lines. Yes. And, and you need to be prepared, prepared for that. And yeah. also at the end of the day, respect the whole process. And hopefully, like I just, you know, continue to be passionate about it. Right. And our teachers are heroes. They really are. For I mean, sure. It's the truth. And, you know, I love them all. So, um, all right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. This all was right. fun. And I it appreciate was fun. It. I'm so glad we did this. All Same. right. Okay. Bye, Stephanie. Have a great day. You too, Danielle. Thank you. Bye-bye. you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.